back of this same book, the Trinity Psalter Hymnal, to Article 33, the Belgian Confession of Faith. You can find that on page 867. Page 867. Concerning the sacraments. Page 867, Article 33, it says, We believe that our good God, mindful of our crudeness and weakness, has ordained sacraments for us to seal his promises in us, to pledge his goodwill and grace toward us, and also to nourish and sustain our faith. He has added these to the word of the gospel, to represent better to our external senses both what he enables us to understand by his word and what he does inwardly in our hearts, confirming in us the salvation he imparts to us. For they are visible signs and seals of something internal and invisible, by means of which God works in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So they are not empty and hollow signs to fool and deceive us for their truth is in Jesus Christ, without whom they would be nothing. Moreover, we are satisfied with the number of sacraments that Christ our Master has ordained for us. There are only two, the sacrament of baptism and the Holy Supper of Jesus Christ. This is our confession of faith. And I invite you to open to Psalm 103, related to the reasoning of this article. Very beautiful psalm. We'll read Psalm 103, Psalm of David. It says there, Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and it knows its place no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. 
Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So far from God's holy word, of your congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, commanded the observation of two sacraments in the scripture, baptism and the Lord's Supper, communion. And as we've been carrying on in this series, which is organized you know, through the Belgian Confession, it's highlighting key biblical truths, uh, we find that, that talking about the sacraments and discussing them and wrestling with the nature of them and their meaning uh, is not some small footnote, you know, it's not a little asterisk for the gospel. On the contrary, we noted in our study and in our meditation, you know, on these principles so far, that there were really three standout marks of a church. And those were, you know, that we should preach the pure word of God, which is no small issue, that we should, you know, bring the whole counsel of God's word to bear, that the church should administer the sacraments in purity, that the church should administer proper discipline. And the sacraments then are one item on a rather short list of important things, things that the church needs to act as the church should act and to be you know, truly the church that Jesus Christ has commanded. So we find that God has given the added gift an extra gift or blessing, the added gift of his cross-confirming sacraments as an outward sign, visible, something we can see, right? An outward sign and seal of his already trustworthy promises in the gospel, which he has sealed to us inwardly through faith in Jesus. I want to say that again because that's the dynamics of our, uh, of our article and they help us understand uh, God, the intention here for the sacraments. He's given this extra gift, right? God has added this, these gifts, the sacraments, cross-confirming sacraments as outward signs of his inward gospel work. That's the dynamic that we're thinking about. So that what he already promised in the gospel and what we have believed by faith and is done inwardly and can't be seen... Right now, he also shows us openly, outwardly, visibly. And that's, uh, that's really critical um, for our understanding of how the church uses the sacraments. So our, our confession of faith, it mirrors this very beautiful attitude, an overwhelming, bubbling, joyful attitude of David in Psalm 103. The whole discussion of the sacraments is a bonus. It is overflowing with gratitude to God. His goodness is the way that we should approach our understanding of the sacraments. How do we have them? Why do we have them? It's because God is good to us. He really cares about us is the answer in summary from our confession. So the introduction of the sacrament highlights God's fatherly patience, which is this whole psalm is full of this kind of talk. His fatherly patience his kindness, his gentleness toward his believing children, who he counts as his lambs, who he counts as his own little ones. Uh, it's a special thing. 
that God wants to relate his saving promises to us with the added care, the extra consideration, which he knows will help us. And that's something that we could hardly imagine, except that God is so good. I know, you know, in our marriage that Analia was always very good with our kids, explaining to them, remembering, you know, this is what a child at this age would understand. You know, this is what a child at this age could handle uh, or, or how long they could focus or, you know, any number of things about, you know, what's appropriate for the right age and the right stage of your kids. I still get made fun of my very first nephew who just turned 18. One time it was like, well, I was playing with him and he was a little tiny baby and I set him down and I'm like, well, I got to go. And I set him down thinking he would just sit there and he was just like, and he just melted into a puddle, you know, just like, like a bowl of jelly. Like, and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't realize that he couldn't sit up. I thought that was like basic to every human being. Well, that was my very first nephew. You know, so it's like, oh, you know, developmental stages. I had to learn about these things. You know, consider how God treats us. God only speaks the truth. He, he deals with us generously. All his promises are good. Every word of his is right. And he shouldn't have to repeat himself. And he shouldn't have to say it twice or do any more. But we should accept it. We should believe it. And we should obey. He's not required to provide the sacraments, which are counted as extra gifts. They are counted as, as accommodating to us in a very kind way. He, he gives us more to help us. He recognizes what we are, and he says uh, it, that, that I'll, I'll do for them still more so that they can understand and so that they can, you know, I can accommodate them in the way that, that is you know, their nature. So he wants to give us visible signs and seals graciously so that we can see and feel and taste and touch what he has already done inwardly, what he has already provided by faith. So that faith feeds on Jesus and he goes still further and says, I want to sign and I want to show, I want to, feed, I, I want to seal to you outwardly what your faith is doing inwardly. And that's an accommodation from him to us. So our confession praises God and steers away from flattery of ourselves. Our contribution, according to the article, is crudeness and weakness. This is what, this is what we have brought you know, to the table. And God is the one that brings the spiritual grace, the gifts, the goodwill. And that's important. Uh, but the statement is not, it's not meant to be insulting to us. Crudeness and weakness is a creational commentary. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, we should remember, like it says in Psalm 103, that we're made of dust. That, that God formed us out of, as it were, weak and crude materials and made us what we are, and he knows what we are. I was there when you were made. I was there to craft the design of humanity. I was there as God, and I saw what you came from, and I know where you'll return, right? It's, it's a very interesting statement to say, God, he really understands us. What we are, what we can handle, how we're built and crafted. You know, who's got the, the blueprint for humanity? God does every specification of what we are. 
So there's all kinds of examples of this in our lives. We say, like, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, like, an inflatable raft, you know, to bear the same conditions or, or last for as long or have the same load as, like, a, a very well-crafted boat, you know, that's made of wood or metal or that's, you know, that's properly put together. We, we wouldn't expect out of things that, that can't handle the weight, they can't handle the pressure, that the materials are not built for it. We shouldn't expect from them what they can't do. And God thought about us in his wisdom and in his skill and in his fatherly understanding and said, I know what they are and who they are better than they do what they can handle. They're the limits of their understanding, the limits of their endurance. And he helps us. And that's a special thing. God doesn't despise our weakness. He doesn't, he doesn't mock us because our frame can't handle the pressure uh, or our minds are limited in a way that he is not. He doesn't disdain us in our weakness. He goes out of his way to help us. He takes extra care for people made of dust and looks at them and says, how can I help them more? What a God we have. You know that that's not true in the sinful world. The sinful world, apart from God, despises the weak. Our politics eat the weak. So that, you know, we see, we see you know, people in high positions in corruption. They enrich themselves and they, they press down people. Or we see people in high positions promoting the death of babies through abortion. Everything's got to be driving for this. You know, all our policy and, and all our efforts goes to crushing the most helpless. In our politics, it's, you know, it's, we seem to be able to spare the brain power and the energy to give cross-sex hormones to, to children without the consent of their parents. And we have to, we have to push for this. What kind of priorities are these? It seems to me that it has a lot to do with this thought that we can get away with. We can get away with crushing the weak and abusing the weak to enrich ourselves and to promote our own agenda, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is going on in the world constantly. In this world, you know, the, the, the business world doesn't care for weakness. You know, we, we eat each other to get ahead. In this world, you don't see clips of, you know, mediocre athletes, you see the best, you know, you see the winner, the world loves the winner. And here we have something special in the, in the, the very function of the church and, and the, the practices that Jesus has taught us and commanded us to practice so that the God who is holy above all and beyond our understanding, limitless in power, limitless in glory, and in ability, and, and in every possible way, the best of the best. He cares about the weak. He thinks about them to help them and lift them up. And he sets them you know, from the lowest place into the highest place with Jesus. And this is, the, this is the, you know, the incredible good news of the gospel, that this is the kind of God that is truly in control of all things and is setting all things to right through Jesus, the king that he has chosen, not the way that this world would understand. And, and we have, we have uh, this incredible sense of wonder and awe. What kind of God is this who would give the life of Jesus for us 
who acts like this when the world, you know, lords it over each other. So the unique beauty of the Christian religion shines when we minister the sacraments to the, you know, God's hungry children. And when God seals his promises, you know, to, you know, to the lowly lambs of his flock. He loves and includes the weak. He cares about rich and poor, you know, great and small, young and old. He cares about all of them. None of them are left out. None of them are pushed aside. And he hasn't used his high position to insulate himself. I think, you know, if there's a, if there's a mark of the super wealthy, it's that they sort of build themselves a compound and know they don't have to, they don't have to fly with you. They don't have to eat with you. They don't have to, you know, take the bus with you. They, they are insulated, right, from everything unpleasant, maybe with me. <laughs> They're insulated from people like me. And um, they, they separate themselves, whereas God does not remain aloof. He uses his power to come close to us. He uses his power to help us. And this is the message of the gospel, that, that all the way from the highest throne of heaven to earth comes Jesus to deliver us and to give to us what we could not attain for ourselves. God uses his power to punish Jesus with the terrible punishments that we deserved on the cross and raise him from the dead for our justification and new life. And this is unique in the world. We don't see this from the powerful, from the, the already full of this world. And as far as worldly religion is concerned, right, worldly religions are built on who contributes the most money and who can, who can do the most to earn uh, and to merit their salvation. Only Christianity proclaims the God of undeserved, gracious salvation in Jesus Christ, the very Son of God in the flesh. You know, this is, this is a unique thing in, in religion, and God confirms it with certainty by the gift of the sacraments. You know, when, when you have small kids, everything is slower, right? Every, every action takes more steps, takes longer. There's more hand-holding. You know, it's one step, one stare, at a time with little kids and holding on to their hands and it's short legs taking 20 steps for your one step, extra car seat buckles, and you know, to shout at your child, you know, keep up, you know, you're, you're slowing everybody down. Uh, this is not the way that we're meant to treat our children. You know, like, what are you doing? Are you even trying? You know, you're holding up the whole family. Show some hustle for once. Little, little kids do not, they, they cannot. Their frame does not allow it. Their stature does not allow it. And God is taking our measure and hand-holding, and we need it. And he's taking our measure, and he's sort of cutting our food for us. And he's looking at what we are, and he's in, uh, in baptism. He's sealing to us something we desperately need from him. Show us and show us again. And show us another way. And say it in, with different words and do it differently so that we finally get it. This is, uh, this is a, a great blessing from God. The mark of Jesus' ministry 
was not to scold the weak for being weak. He had incredible compassion. He had incredible patience. He showed and he showed again and he taught and he taught again. The blind, the lame, the poor, the sinner, they were finding restoration from him and healing from him. And he went to them and touched them for healing, to help. And the sacraments are a special gift given by him and they're commanded by him as a continual reminder that God reaches out to people in their weakness, people that are made of crude materials, people that are dust, people that are like, Psalm 103 says, if they're like something, they're like grass. They're here and then they're gone. We forget that very often about ourselves, that we're, you know, what's the, what's the comparison for us? Well, so you're like, you're like grass. It, it grows and then it withers. You know, it's here and then it's gone. We're prone to forget it in our pride. And God doesn't forget it. And he treats us very gently, accordingly. He wants to seal his promises to people who need help. And he wants to show yet another pledge of his goodwill to us when we're most needing relief, which is all the time, which is also today that we need relief from him, the reminder from him what we are. So he wants to nourish and sustain our faith just when the repentant have admitted that we hunger and thirst for what comes from him, that we, we need wisdom from him. So this is one of the reasons that we observe communion frequently. It's one of the reasons that we're, we're eager you know, to see the baptisms of those that have come to believe and of, of the children of believers. We're eager for this because we frequently need, in addition to the word of God, just as God designed, we need the sign and the reminder and the visible seal and demonstration of what God has done out of sight and what God has done invisibly. He's willing to feed us often as we eat and drink the remembrance of Christ and of his cross. And it's ordinary but still extraordinary, a spiritual gift. As often as we feel faint, God is inviting us to come back and to be encouraged and he's inviting us back to nourish our souls so that if we're you know, if we are distressed in any way, God is, is feeding us so that we would grow stronger. Bread and wine, you know, are staples of the ancient diet. You know, bread and wine are sort of representative of just a regular meal. And the simple message of the supper is that God builds your spirit as deliberately and as regularly as the, you know, sort of your three meals a day. Uh, you, your body needs to be fueled. It needs to be nourished. And God is doing this in a way that's going to sustain us all through our lives, even to perfection. You know, we could, we could add, you know, something on that, right? That God, when he feeds us, feeding, you know, to, to all the way to eternal life, uh, is far better than we have ever imagined. When you think of the daily food we eat or maybe some of the, the gross you know, food that we eat, it's like, oh, you know, my options today were not very good. And it was, you know, it was fast food. It, was, it certainly wasn't leading to perfection. 
But here God is feeding us in a simple way toward the feast of everlasting life. It's a very beautiful thing that God is doing, sustaining us, not, you know, for sort of mediocrity, but for glory. I appreciate, and I'm sure you do as well, the kindness and the patience of people in my life that have helped me learn simple things that were probably very easy for them, even mundane for them. It's like, oh, you know, like this is so easy. Why don't you get it? This is so simple. How many times do I have to explain? And instead of getting, getting angry with me, you know, they, they went through it as many times as it took to get through, as many times as it took for it to actually stick. And that's a very special kind of teaching. You know, this is sometimes, you know, our, the care of our parents, sometimes of, you know, significant, you know, people in our lives or, or particularly special teachers in our lives, friends in our lives who take interest in someone else to help them until they really get them past the block, you know, whatever speed bump uh, that's stopping them from learning. And it might be simple things, you know, I learned to cook this or that, I learned, to, I learned how to paint, I learned how to, you know, how to fix something, how to drive. Uh, and, you know, they, they showed the kind of patience that, that makes me so grateful that I still remember, you know, like, you know, even now, you know, I have such gratitude for somebody that helped me at that critical moment. And no one is more fatherly you know, no one is more kind than God who gave us his word and every part of it, as different as it is across all the, the scripture, every part of it is teaching us about Jesus. Think of, think of how diverse that is, all with the same purpose, to drive us to repent and believe in his son, the Messiah that he appointed for the proper time and that he prepared way in advance. And, and all of this is speaking to the kind of attitude we have from God who gave us his word. And it's clear and it's powerful and it makes Jesus to be the center of all of his purposes in no uncertain way. The salvation, his death and resurrection, his kingdom, the covenant promises, the testimony of the law and the prophets and the apostles. We are very blessed to be the recipients, right, of his word and his good promises. This word that, the, that you know, testifies about itself living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word that never fails when put in comparison to us. We are grass that withers and the word is evergreen. It stands forever. He gives this to us and reveals high and holy mysteries to small people and gives us a church that's built on an unshakable foundation, the, the, the foundation, right, of his word, even Jesus, the word made flesh. Isn't that enough? You know, we've got, we've got everything. I heard a lot of parents talk about the influx of candy that came into their house this week, you know, Pounds of candy. I can't believe how much candy my kid got this week. And, you know, is it, is it ever enough? Like, didn't at some point when you were holding a massive, didn't you just say, like, well, that's enough. I think I can go home. No, I, went, I got more, more, more. 
You know, God's promises are all gracious promises. He's given so much and we're holding so much. His word is so much. And now we have this, we have this added gift, the gift of his sacraments. You know, adding, as it were, Twix on top of Reese's on top of Milky Way. God gives the sacraments so that as flesh and blood human beings who are so moved by sense, by smell, touch, taste, will better know his loving kindness and be able to say, you know, it's something that I have believed, but I have tasted. It's something that I have heard, but I have also felt and experienced in the sacrament. God knows that the Christian is rather like the Apostle Thomas, who said, you know, I need to see it, I need to feel it, I need to, I need to actually sort of put my hands on him to believe that he has risen. And in fact, the very loving Lord Jesus gave Thomas what he was missing. And that's, that's rather like the sacrament. So, so when we read about the failures of the apostles, and we read about Thomas and say, well, I'm, you know, I wouldn't be like that. It's like, well, but we are like that. That's why we have the sacraments. We are rather like him, except that, that God has already accommodated us. And instead of, you know, disavowing us and saying, you know, they've already have everything and they're so spoiled and I quit, you know, I quit on them. He gives it to us and regularly for our good. And now, you know, we're the people that, that have from God these, you know, generosities that are, are more than we could ever have asked for. So our faith, you know, is not hard and dry Christian virtue. We're not allowed, you know, we're not allowed to feel, we're not allowed to, you know, taste and touch. God does not want believing to be bland, but he takes our humanity into account the creator who knows us so well, not stifling or discounting or undervaluing the humanity that he designed, but he rather uh, helps us. So our faith is not ascetic, you know, that is anti-body, you know, anti-human. Uh, to be spiritual is not anti-human. To be spiritual, it, it engages all of what we are, what God made us to be, and that's important. You know, faith Faith is uh, more than our senses, but, but that's not to discount them, and it's not to throw them away. God has in mind to redeem us body and soul. God has in mind to raise these bodies and renew them, not to throw away what he's created. And that's affirmed in the way that he treats us through the sacraments. He knows and he values the whole person. He's good, he's kind, he cares. I think about, you know, the pictures that we've studied in the past. Ezekiel talks about the throne of God with the wheels turning, as it were, in all directions. Revelation talks about God's throne. It says he sits on a throne that has the appearance, a, a rainbow with the appearance of an emerald. I've never been able to get over that or properly maybe picture it even in my imagination. But he's high and holy. That much we understand. You know, the, the sort of the thunderings and the rumblings of the movements of his throne going in whatever direction he pleases according to his will in the world. 
and God is so understanding of us. Well, this, you know, this for us is very helpful, that, that we should turn around to others with this kind of understanding, this kind of uh, generosity, this sort of kindness. This is a big part of how the gospel is presented to us. And we ought to learn it in the sacraments, that, that God is feeding us, that God has done so much for us, and that he treats us so gently, and we have to be ready to turn around again and again in a practical way to others and say, this is the kind of God that I have come to know and understand, the God who forgives much, and all of the forgiveness that I have from him, he commands me to turn around and give to others, a God that's so accommodating with me that even though I stumble much and even though I'm very slow to put to practice everything that he's commanded, he doesn't throw me away, but he feeds me and he nourishes me and he prepares me more and more to live for him. But we are short with people who make one mistake and we turn around to other people with such harshness, you know, if they, if they treat us wrong or even if they look at us wrong. We, we have not understood how, the way that God accommodates us, the way that he cares for us. And, you know, so all of these things, they, they help us to comprehend what it means to become mature. And, you know, we might say, like, I got a lot, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on and I'm always stressed and that's why I treat people so terribly. Or, you know, that's why, you know, I, I, you know, I fail at this so much. And it's, well, you know, God, God is caring for every creature everywhere, high and low. You know, all the poison frogs in the jungle. God is caring for them while he accommodates us and cares for us. It's something for us to understand about Christian maturity. That, that we have a God who is so, so generous with us. And it's time for us to grow in maturity, using his sacraments wisely, thinking on our baptism as, our, as a, a great gift, and feeding at his table and remembering what kind of God we have. We can't fathom you know, how generous he has been with us. Our confession goes out of its way to admonish us about the full value of the sacraments, the good gifts of the cross shown to us over and over, uh, sealed to us what is, you know, what is preached, is signed, is tasted. God and, uh, and his spirit, uh, they, they are real. And even though so many things about you know, God and his work are mysterious and are invisible, uh, we're meant to understand you know, what God has done in a, in a way that, that shows you know, the, the things that we can handle, the things that we can touch. They are real, and God's promises all the more. Spiritual though they are, they are more to us, more real. It's but a short time. And Jesus will be here a short time, and Jesus will appear before our eyes. A short time, then we have only to rehearse, to celebrate, to tell and retell, and to, as it were, touch and taste and feel the victory of the gospel before he comes. And the victory is met with glory and perfection. 
so we really can't get enough of the sacraments. And while we're still talking about the gospel truth of Christ and how great it is, he will come. And as we're, as we're about the, the work of the gospel, and as we are eating and drinking, as it were, the gospel promises of God, he will come. And that's how we would like God to find us. Find us uh, rehearsing and rejoicing over and repeating and celebrating his promises in every way in our lives. And this is what he has commanded, and this is what we need to live the Christian life so that all of the perfections that God has in mind, uh, they will come to us at his time. Amen. Father in heaven, we pray for a spiritual mindset, and we pray, Lord, for spiritual wisdom so that what we hear in your word and what we believe in truth, we would put to practice in our lives. And Lord, what you have shown us in your word, we would all the more value and cherish by way of the sacraments. So Lord, we pray that our minds would be attentive. We pray that our hearts would be open. We pray, Lord, that we would come to highly prize the gifts that you provide and throw away the uh, temporary pleasures of this world to have the unfading treasures of your kingdom. These are shown in your word. These are shown in your sacraments. These are practiced in the midst of your holy body. Lord, hear our prayer for that purpose, to establish us in Christ and to bond us to him by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.